We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. One o'clock hour here on Cody and Gold. Alex Gold, Cody Tap, Nick Schwert with you. I need to hang out with us well, right, yeah. to, to recuperate. Cody's glasses have finally unfogged um, after laughing. He's hysterically. like he's like my dad when my like when I was a kid. My dad would have to like when he would unload the dishwasher and then yeah. oh yeah lift yeah. his face up and it, that's Cody every time something gets really uncomfortable. Yeah, on the show. you know your glasses don't have to fog up. You know if you just call my friends over at Dirty. <laughs> oh, that's you know? horrible. You know that's horrible. You don't that's have to shameless. worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. All right, let's talk some Chiefs football with uh, Nate Taylor. Uh, Of The Athletic, Nate, we won't talk about Forrest Gump with you, I promise. I'm sure you're a huge fan of that movie. (laughs) I don't know if I would describe myself as a huge fan. Um, A few critiques on Forrest Gump. It's way too long. Um, It's (sighs) – the intro and the ending are just – they're they're, they're prolonged. It it, it needs to be shorter. But that's – you know, there are nice scenes in the movie. Of course, obviously, Tom Hanks was excellent. But, no, like – I don't love the beginning or really the end of that movie. Is Jenny the villain? No, they put her from a character development in a tough bind. Also, <laughs> not a great last scene. <laughs> but, like, but you know, it was the time. It was the, it was the time of our of our society. So I, I get what they were doing with her, but also, yeah, like having characters throughout the entire movie would have, you know, this, that, that, that helps movies get better um, from beginning to end. As far as the, the Chiefs go, we know they get the bye this weekend. We know they got the number one seed. And unless they play Buffalo in an AFC title game, the Chiefs would still host AFC mm-hmm. title game out at Arrowhead. Looking at the, the projected path right now, I mean, if you're just going based off of who's favorites this weekend, it looks like it's the Chiefs and Chargers potentially for a third straight time or third time this season, I should say, uh, at Arrowhead yep. coming up uh, in a couple weeks. I would advise people not to bet on that game, though. Um, fellas, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are probably going to win that game. Um, I know it's not as exciting or probably as intriguing as part three of Chiefs Chargers with the Chargers. I mean, are they ever going to get fully healthy? I guess that game Saturday uh, or really comes down to the idea of like, can Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack like just take over the game? Like just be so disruptive that it really inhabits the Jacksonville Jaguars from moving the ball down the field. But as we've seen pretty much since the Jaguars played the Chiefs, that they're going to move the football. It's just, are they successful when they get into the red zone? Um, I think the way this plays out, the way this projects so far is, and this is a question for all Chiefs fans to consider, fellas, is do you want a home game against the Buffalo Bills? Or excuse me, a neutral side game against the Buffalo Bills, or do you want a home game against the Bengals? Right now, I think it's probably the Bengals who are probably going to probably face the Chiefs in the championship game. But, you know, stranger things have occurred. I think when I look at this, like, I, I guess I am curious, Nate, because you talk to people inside the organization. Publicly, everyone's saying the right stuff. You know, like, Patrick Mahomes probably couldn't give a better answer to the question about 
whether or not they would be bothered by a neutral site game. We know that Cincinnati's pissed. Privately, <laughs> is anyone in Kansas City annoyed at the fact that they might have to host a neutral site game? Um, I don't think anybody in the Chiefs organization is really upset. I just think they are willing to acknowledge that there's no great solution. Um, it's the reason why they abstained, you know, from the vote last week. And I had a chance to talk to Mark Donovan before Saturday's game in Las Vegas, and he sort of walked me through their entire thought process. Him, Clark Hunt, of course, you know, obviously being in the league, you know, meetings after the, com- you know, the competition committee was like, hey, this is the best we can come up with. Um, their decisions mostly impact the Bengals the most. Um, the Chiefs fulfilled their entire schedule. So with the Chiefs knowing that, they felt they really didn't have any reason to be a part of, like, the, the arguments or the back and forth about the discussion as to whether or not you should approve this. Most NFC teams were like, look, man, it's unfortunate. We're not really a part of it, so we're going to be in favor of what the competition committee has suggested alongside Roger Goodell. Really, the, the, the Bengals, they made some phone calls. Obviously, owners like each other in some ways and shapes and forms, and yes, there's cliques and sort of groups in the 31 owners and obviously the Packers. Mostly just, you know, obviously they're more border directors type of thing. But ultimately, like, the Bengals could maybe get a couple votes about, hey, like, you know, for your guys' sake, because you have a valid argument, we will vote alongside you. But from the Chiefs' standpoint, they're not angry about any of this. They had a game that they needed to win on Saturday. Andy Reid made that very clear to everybody in the organization. The team went out and played probably its best game from start to finish against the Raiders. And so now they know the rules. And if the team plays a neutral side game against the Bills, I just want to remind the Chiefs fans, the Chiefs play better this season on the road than they do at home. That is a fact. Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy pull out some of their best stuff for road games because obviously you're playing in a more adverse environment than you do at home. For whatever reason, Patrick Mahomes this season has been excellent on the road. Um, it's one of the things that – has really made him not just the MVP leading candidate for, for this year's award, but the idea of, like, he made no mistakes, guys, against the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. He made one mistake against the Indianapolis Colts, and it was the last pass of the game when they had, like, very little time to try to get into field goal range to not lose that game by three points. So if Chiefs fans feel any way, I guess, um, they you know, if they feel like they've been taken advantage of by – circumstances that did not involve them i understand because hey you would obviously want the afc championship game to be played in your venue i would also remind you that the team is two and two in those games because those games are really hard but also if you want the chiefs at their most explosive on offense this season it's putting 44 points on the you know san francisco 49ers on the road it is absolutely destroying the tampa bay bucks on the road in their primetime game well we all didn't realize maybe tampa bay is not as good as they used to be hey Hey, we got to win a game to get the one seed. Well, we'll just easily put up 31 points comfortably. Well, we don't even show half of our best stuff that we're going to actually show when the game really matters in the postseason. So, for all the talk about how this might play out, for hey, I think the more, I think the most important divisional round game for this league is Bills, Bengals. You know, to have that game concluded to see who really is the best team out of the two based on the circumstances at hand. But for the Chiefs, your path is relatively as nice as it could be. And if they don't play the game at, the, at, the, at Arrowhead for the AFC Championship, like, who cares? Patrick Mahomes is amazing in the road this season. And if he's not playing at Arrowhead, it sucks not to be able to view him in his hometown. But if it means you actually win that game, like, who cares?
You mentioned neutral site. Any word you're you're getting at this point or behind the scenes of where that actual neutral site could take place? Are they going to wait until after this weekend to where they becomes even more of a reality uh, for them to actually name the site? Because we, we've seen reports that the Colts uh, have turned down the opportunity. The city of Indianapolis has turned down the opportunity. Right. right. And I'm not sure if Pittsburgh is going to be involved now because at least we now know that they're not in the postseason. I don't know how much that changes the, the calculation at all. I talked a little bit with, with Carrington last night on, on the show. Um, Atlanta looks more and more realistic, right? That is yeah, it makes a true neutral site similar to Indianapolis. Like, there's not going to be weather super-duper involved, obviously. It's going to be in a controlled climate. That is a newer stadium compared to some of the others that are possible in the league, so that makes a lot of sense. And look, um, it's not a hard sale to tell people, hey, if you want to go to Georgia for the weekend, if you want to go to Atlanta, to watch another high-level football game, you know, for decently reasonable price tickets on the secondary market or whatever, like, that's not going to be a hard decision for any team and its fans to get to, right? Like, you can have a number of flights go from Kansas City to Atlanta, from Atlanta to Buffalo, and obviously, um, you know, based on how it all plays out, I don't know if the league will make a decision, fellas, until they know that the Bills have won. Like, Roger Goodell doesn't really want to get super-duper involved because it will ultimately be his decision. He'll have a few, obviously, cities and teams and obviously the venues on site kind of on call. Um, And I know that's kind of being discussed behind the scenes, but I'm not sure the league would make an announcement before you actually knew the Buffalo Bills have beaten the Cincinnati Bengals or they've beaten whoever, you know, maybe if it's the Baltimore Ravens, if obviously the, the, you know, the Dolphins somehow win. Um, well, I don't know. It, it, dude, God, these circumstances are all these – all these scenarios are, are crazy, and I'm talking super-duper fast. But in, in, interestingly, I think what I'm trying to get at is they won't tell you anything until they actually know it has to be a neutral site game based on the modifications of the rules that they obviously certified um, last week. That so sucks for fans. Yeah, so you're, you're saying that you think not just this after this weekend. You're saying it might take a divisional round win for the Chiefs and a divisional round win – for the bills before fans would actually know where they might be in five days traveling to. Yeah. I, I, it's, again, it's, it's not the, it's not the greatest circumstances, but I don't think the league wants to have this. I mean, look, it is what it is, but I don't, I'm not sure based on people I know in the league that they just want to have this like floating in the air or that they just want to be like in the middle of the, of the broadcast of either division around game. If the chiefs and the and the builder obviously still in round two, I'm not sure they want that to be like, a prominent thing when it's just like, hey, we want competitive equality. We want competitive fairness. This, You line up and you play today. We worry about next week if it gets to that point. Um, there's only one scenario now that we all know that can lead to a neutral side game. So there's no reason, I think, from the league's perspective as to why we would, you know, play that out or why we would let it be known until we actually know we have to do that. So, yes, it's unfortunate for fans um, who want to go to that game the teams might have an idea, but I don't think publicly it's going to be put out there, hey, if you win in the Bills win or if, hey, you win in the Chiefs win, um, start making arrangements for Atlanta on, you know, what would be, what, January 28th, 29th, uh, somewhere in that range. And, of course, um, look, if the Bills lose this week or if they lose to Cincinnati, then the league doesn't have to worry about these things. And same goes if the Chiefs lose, obviously, in the divisional round as well. When you're looking at what the Chiefs will be on the field here in a couple of weeks, the comment from Lewis Riddick on the game broadcast stood out, talking about Kadarius Toney, as in he said, Veach thought in a couple of weeks he might be their best receiver on the roster. Now, Veach is not shy to make 
bold proclamations about his own roster, Nate. So I'll start there, (laughs) but what chance do you actually give, let's not even say this season, that at any point in his Chiefs career, the Kadarius Tony looks like a one? I mean, a one is is hard to say because it's like, he can't be Tyreek Hill, okay? Like, let's just all acknowledge that. Like, he cannot be Tyreek Hill. And so the last one we saw in the Chiefs offense was not really a comparable one. Like, you know, there's only three receivers that I would keep in that sort of special category. It's Jamar Chase, it's Tyreek Hill, and it's Justin Jefferson. So if he can be a one, um, I wonder if it's a if it's. I know this might not sound correct, comparable, um, and I know he just is going to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. But like, look, if you could get Kadarius Tony to be Jerry Macklin at a slightly higher level, you would take that any day of the week. Um, now they can put the ball in his hands in a more plethora and more of a variety of ways than they would with Macklin back in the day. But honestly, like, Andy Reid's done it with Tyreek Hill, he's done it with Terrell Owens, and then he's done it with players who are not of that caliber. So there's a chance, and I, and at least for right now, I think Rick Bolkholder and the medical staff do deserve credit because once he has a hamstring injury, which I like to remind people, happened at SoFi Stadium. It's just good riddance to that place and the, and the injuries it's caused to most players this season. But since then, when they've played on natural grass, Kadarius Tony has been just fine. Um, we will see, obviously, if they play in Atlanta for the AFC Championship. But, you know, Kadarius Tony has been fine. He's learned the offense. I think there are a ton of routes, a ton, that they have not shown on tape out of personnel groups, out of certain formations that will be to their benefit if the timing and the execution is right between him and Mahomes. And I think that's why when you see how the team practices, when you know, like, hey, you know, like 60% of this practice is about the Raiders or the Seahawks or the, you know, Broncos. And then about 40% is we know we're in the playoffs. So we need to, like, start – figuring out what we feel like we're good at that, again, has not been put on tape that the opponent can't be totally expecting and anticipating into such a game. And he's such a special player um, that I think that's why Brett V says those, you know, made those comments to Lewis Riddick. They've been tight, obviously, going back to when they worked together in Philadelphia. But honestly, um, if you told me, hey, MVS is just deep man, and Juju Smith-Schuster, if he comes back, hey, he's underneath guy. And obviously, Travis Kelsey's they're going to be Travis Kelsey. And Sky Moore can be more of the McCole Hardman gadget intermediate guy. And then Kadarius Tony's the one. I can kind of see it. Um, but, again, it comes down to health. And if he's this good in the playoffs, it really does serve them well towards what I thought the trade was ultimately about, which is about 2023 and right. 2024, which is, hey, let's get him the whole playbook and the whole offseason for him to really understand terminology, leverage points, how do we adjust in the route, what does Mahomes like against certain coverages, against certain, you know, DBs that he's watched on tape. Like, that's the advanced level to all of this. But when they put the ball in his hands, guy, he's averaging about eight yards a touch. It is insane how good he is. So there's a chance. I'm not going to deny it, but I just know that what we see in the postseason, if he stays healthy, should give you a good indication of just how much he can jump in year two if everything goes according to the Chiefs' plan. We're talking to Nate Taylor from The Athletic. Of course, you hear him on the Nate Taylor Show Monday nights right here on 610 Sports Radio. And we were talking about Tony earlier, and it's it's kind of interesting because, yeah, if he can go and play three games if, if they were to get to the Super Bowl and stay healthy, the hype and the expectation around him next year will be absolutely insane. Yeah, and the idea, too, that, like, 
the Giants, guys. I, I just like, do I need to say this quietly, like in a whisper? He would be the Giants' number one receiver right now, and they're in the playoffs. Um, I like look. Sometimes trades are just happening because you find somebody at a weak point in the season, and you're like, you know what? Those picks look good. But, guys, he is the Giants' number one receiver. That's how good he is, and he's not on their TV anymore. So you've already won the trade. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in 2022, or excuse me, 2023, and obviously 2024. I don't know. But in terms of, like, getting something out of this rookie contract, like, if he performs well, if he has done what he has done these last couple weeks into the postseason, obviously against higher competition, when you need superior athletes to match up with your superior scheme, Oh, they've won the trade. <laughs> they've already won the trade. I, I gave it a C. I gave it a C, y'all. I gave it a C at the day because I was like, well, he's missed half the games available for him to play since he's been in the NFL. And since then, like, it's it's kind of been a B-plus, and it has the potential to go to an A to an A-minus. Between that trade, the Tyreek trade, and this draft, is Brett Veach the best GM in the league? He's one of. Um... I have to really wrap my brain around, and I don't vote on general manager of the year. Um, I know that's it's not really like a league thing. Um, that's, you know, I guess I will. It's because I am a member of the Pro Football Writers Association, so I'm kind of, again, going off on a tangent. But, like, we do vote on, like, who had the most impressive offseason. Um, Brevies, I mean, people have known this for a while, and if you um, are willing to not, you know, acknowledge it, I mean, I guess cool. That's your prerogative. But, like, no, he's one of the best general managers in the league. Um, he saw something that Kyle Shanahan couldn't see, which is always the thing I go back to. Which is Kyle Shanahan looked at Patrick Mahomes' tape during the draft process and was like, nah, dog, I'm good. I got a system. And by the way, the it's a very good amazing. system. The system is amazing. And that's why Trey Lance was eventually drafted. Problem is, poor Trey Lance, he, you know, he missed a year basically from the pandemic and the college standpoint, and then he got hurt, so we don't know how his career is going to end up. But again, Having foresight is really important in this job. Obviously, your scouting background, your principles, obviously knowing exactly what your coaching staff needs, which I think most people do not think about enough when it comes to general managers, team presidents. Yeah, like you have a general idea. We're all trying to project who's going to be good, who's going to translate to the league or not. But what does your team actually need? Like what does your team need for the personnel, for the coaching staff, to obviously either leapfrog in the division, or continue to control the division and obviously build for even greater um, achievements. And look, I think um, I think what Detroit did this past year deserves a lot of credit. Um, I know Seattle has a great case to be made that they had a wonderful offseason, and that's why they're in the postseason. Um, so I don't know if Brett Veach is technically the best general manager in the league. That that really comes down to preference, but he is one of the best. I think what Buffalo did was awesome. Like, I, th- I still think Brendan Bean and, and Brett Beach are pretty much neck and neck in this, in the AFC, at least right now. Problem is, Brett Beach was like, well, Vonnell is not coming to us. But he really projected and saw that, like, look, signing a veteran pass rusher in the offseason looks good in, in March, and it's going to look great in September and October. But can you get Von Miller through the season at his age, playing at that high of a level, when he's supposed to be the team's best pass rusher? And the answer, unfortunately, was no. He got hurt. It sucks. It's a violent sport. For whatever reason, Steve Spagnuolo, even Steve Spagnuolo, 
agree with Andy Reid and Brett Beasley saying this roster needs to get younger for the second phase of Patrick Mahomes' career. And then the general manager and his personnel staff went out and found, I don't know, seven players who have legitimate roles heading into the postseason. It's pretty impressive. But I thought Brendan Bean did the right thing, which is like, well, I know Von Miller will harass Patrick Mahomes. It's just, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. But I do think Brendan Bean, um, I understand what Brett Veach has done, and there's, there's obviously some candidates in the NFC that deserve praise as well. What about where we're at with the coaching carousel right now in the NFL? Uh, we know there's five openings. We've seen already reports, multiple guys uh, getting set up for interviews. No noise around Eric Bieniemy uh, at this point, and it's another offseason. I feel like we're doing the, the same thing all over again here, Nate, that we've done for three straight, three straight years in the same type of conversations. But are you hearing anything on, on why maybe we even haven't seen any interview requests yet? All right, I'm going to try to make this reasonable, okay? <sighs> Obviously, Eric Bieniemy is one of the most qualified candidates to be a head coach. That is a fact. We do not need to discuss it. But also, when you walk into the bar of NFL coaches who are available to – you can buy them a drink and have a conversation, he, he not the new girl. It's just, it's just a fact. <laughs> like, Sean Payton, he ain't even got to dress nice. But, like, he's Sean Payton. Um, obviously, there's, there's guys like Quinn and Leslie Frazier who have some stability, who have done the job before. They make a lot of sense. I've, I haven't heard a lot of noise about Leslie Frazier, but, like, I think he and Eric Bieniemy are kind of in the same boat. Um, look, there's obviously young OCs. You definitely want to check them out. They the new girls. I want to see what they about. How you get that man open like that in this coverage, in this down and distance, baby? How can you scheme it up for my guys? I understand everything that's happening at the bar right now. It's early. We ain't even gotten to, like, the late nights. No, like, so it's still happy okay, hours, I, what you're saying. Yeah, it's still happy okay, hours. Okay. And Sean Payton got everybody on his finger. By the way, Sean Payton really controls all this because if he wants to coach, then the ripple effect, the domino effect will start to occur. If he actually wants to coach this upcoming season, he picks a team. And obviously, then you got to figure out compensation for the Saints. And then also, if Sean McVay gets out of that job, then that's another opening. That benefits guys like Eric Benemy. Eric Benemy been at the bar. We know he good. We know he got everything. We know he's coming from, obviously, a tree that is more fruitful than Bill Belichick's tree. But he ain't the new girl right now. And so it's going to take some time, and I appreciate that the league has said, hey, you don't have to hire somebody by January 9th before playoff games start because, you know, that's stupid. And we should prevent owners from doing stupid things before they actually have to do said stupid things. Um, I know there's been some talk about Eric Bieniemy possibly being a nice candidate, a nice match for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Carrington sort of made that point to me last night, and I, I tend to agree. I don't know if they owner is stupid or not. I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> oh, well, is that a situation, too, where it's, you know, because the GM is also open there? I mean, is it kind of a, hey, it's a package deal? You've seen some people do that, but really the only successful package, I think, from last year's cycle is what happened with the Giants, right? With, obviously, uh, Brian Dable, and, um, oh, I can't think of his name right now, but the GM manager, they, they came from Buffalo, basically. It was, hey, we, we are the top. Oh, Shone Buffalo. or whatever his name is? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, that's the only successful one that I can think of. You know, obviously, Minnesota changed their general manager, but they also changed their head coach. Those are coming from two different places. Uh, Chicago did it last year, obviously, with Ryan Poles and um, Eberfuse. So, like, there's, there's multiple ways of doing this. There's no wrong way, 
other than just don't be stupid. But sometimes we get to the bar and it's the first girl and we trying to make moves. And, you know, <laughs> it's who you want to date the wife, you know? And look, Eric Benny has got wife qualities to him. Some of these guys are just, they just, they just here for the moment. And you want to strike while the iron's hot. Sometimes you realize, I'm like, hey, man, it's more to this than just scheme. And this is what I try to tell owners all the time or general managers. Like, it's more to this than just freaking scheme. I can get homeboy open or I can get this run game going in the right direction. I never thought that the coach for the Detroit Lions Same. was going to figure this out, and he figured it out. So, you know, it, there's, there's multiple ways of doing this. I kind of thought maybe this year, and I know they were running out of time, but I kind of felt like – the Dan Campbell year should help Eric be enemy, right? The Brian Dable, Dan right? Campbell is the, right? we're the go-go leader of men type, right? And I kind of thought maybe yes. it was going to be good for EB. Right, yeah. So, like, there you go. Hey, the them dudes play hard when they had nothing to play for? Yep. Did them dudes, like, line it up for him? Yep. Hey, did they figure out what they were good at at the halfway point of the year and they just took off? Yeah. That talks to both coaching and leadership and the willingness to connect with your players in a way that is just more than like, hey, man, I'm just a CEO with a dude with a play sheet, baby. I get it up for you on third and eight. Like, call me. But what are the players? Like, how are you fitting that to the players? And I think when you think about it from a higher standpoint, I think Airbnb is more of like, what are the players that we have? What you're going to notice, kids, is there's going to be more rotational stuff happening around the center of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. But guess what? They get good stuff out of those guys, and it ain't. It can't just be Andy Reid, okay? It's got to be Andy Heck. It's got to be Eric Bieniemy. Obviously, Greg Lewis has made a pretty nice transition from a receiver coach to running back coach. So it can't just all be Andy Reid. But honestly, like, how can you get your team better from the start of the season to the end of the season? And guys, Nathaniel Hackett <laughs> couldn't cut it on day one. But guess yeah. what, y'all? He was the pretty girl at the bar for the first time. Nate Taylor from The Athletic. Love the analogy on top of another analogy. It was good stuff, Nate. Really appreciate it, man. We'll be uh, we'll be following your work. We'll be listening uh, next Monday night as well. It'll be playoff week for everybody here in KC. That's right. Thank you so much, fellas. There you go. Nate Taylor from The Athletic. I love having Nate on. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that final couple minutes there quite a bit, actually. I enjoyed the whole thing. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.